Hello and welcome. I'm Max Finder and this is Living 30, a podcast for people in their 30s trying to make this the best decade ever. Our 30s are a pivotal time. We spent our teens and 20s trying everything. We now have a better idea of who we are and what we want, and it's time for us to go after it. We've experienced education, both formal and informal, career success and career failure, love and heartbreak, and maybe even some births and deaths. Living 30 is devoted to gathering innovative approaches, deep insights, and lessons learned around topics like health, work, relationships, and more. Visit living30.blog and stay tuned for more interviews, articles, and to join the Living 30 community. Thanks for listening and enjoy the podcast. Hello and welcome to Living 30. I'm your host, Max Finder. We have Liz Plank joining us today. Thanks for joining, Liz. I'm so excited. Hi, how are you? Good, I'm good, I'm good. So I, I'm going to briefly, you know, say your your bio here. Liz Plank is an award-winning journalist and host of several critically acclaimed digital series at Vox Media. She's been listed as one of Forbes 30 Under 30, Mediate's most influential in news media, Marie Claire's list of most powerful women, the list goes on. She regularly, she regularly appears on MSNBC in her first book, For the Love of Men, A New Vision for Mindful Masculinity, just came out in September. And this is from you. Her proudest accomplishment by far remains being blocked by the 45th president of the United States. That's awesome. <laughs> what was the tweet? Was it a specific tweet? That, it that- was. It, it, and, it, and I wish I had a really good story. Like it was a tweet, you know, that was like calling in, you know, into question the constitutions, you know, his respect to the constitution and uh, his, you know, harassment and, uh, you know, assault of women. And, but it was, I, I, when I got blocked, I didn't remember what, you know, who, who remembers what they tweeted yesterday? No one. So I, when I saw that I was blocked, I was like, Oh God, what did I tweet? Like, am I going to get fired? Like, did I say something that was like out of line? Um, because I was, you know, enraged, which I've been in a state of since like 2015, um, because of the, the chaotic, uh, political situation here. Uh, but the tweet was like about, so he put out, he tweeted this a White House video of like a Veterans Day or veteran uh, event at the White House. And uh, it was like, a you know, one of his like classic propaganda uh, digital videos where it's just like, you know, he looks like uh, he's, you know, a, the, the king of uh, the world and and everyone adores him and 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 is uh in love with him and and that day he had done some uh, said a million terrible things and then i was just really angry that he was putting out this video to try and like you know present uh, a day you know a very false uh representation of of himself and the video was just really badly edited like it really like it had those transitions that you have in like iMovie of like going from a circle to like a square to like a, it was just like a very bad movie. And and, and you would never see like that, the quality of that like from an official White House uh, video in, in any other presidency in the 21st century. And so I tweeted, I quote tweeted his stupid video. And I said, uh, did my mom edit this on a free version of iMovie on her iPad? 
And that's what got me blocked. That's what got me blocked. That was the last tweet that that I sent to him. Um, and and then the next morning, I woke up, and he went on a on a tweet tweet tirade, you know, from five a.m. to seven a.m. on a Saturday, as he usually does. And then in, in during that time, decided to block me. Wow. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty impressive, though. That's awesome. You're the only person I know that that's happened to. So that's that's cool. Um, so you, you just came out with this book. I can't uh, hear you. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. You can't hear, you're having trouble hearing me? I can hear you. Hello, hello. It's recording my sound. Hello? Yeah. Oh, did I lose you or did you lose me? I hear you. I mean, I, it's, it's okay. Okay. Uh, did I? Well, you just came back now, but I, I couldn't hear okay, you. Great. Okay, great. Um, okay, I'm going to say what I... I'm going to start. <laughs> with this. I'll okay. edit it out. It's okay. So okay. you wrote a book. You just came out with this book, um, but yes. I, I saw somewhere that you started writing it like four years ago. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, how, I mean, can you speak a little bit about like your writing process mm -hmm. and how you did that with this crazy full-time career that seems extremely demanding at the same time? Yeah. Like when did you write? How, how did you do it? So I, writing this book was the most challenging thing I've ever done. And like, not just, uh, I don't know, in, in terms of like physically and, and what it took for, you know, professionally, but, but also like emotionally, it really, I learned more about myself through the writing process of this book than I ever have learned a, a, about myself in my entire life because I was completely alone in it. Right. So I, you know, have done a lot of things on my own, but mostly it's uh, collaborative. Um, I have an editor that talks to me every day when you write for the internet and you have to write five articles a day. Um, you, you have a pretty rigorous, you know, feedback process and, and writing a book is really like being alone with yourself and being alone with your thoughts and being alone with all of your, um, little, all your avoidance tactics and all your coping mechanisms and all the things that you, all the walls that you've built around yourself, um, to, to avoid the things that are really difficult for you. And, and, and one thing that I learned even during my master's, I remember having a lot of difficulty too, because when I did my master's, you know, at, in London, it, it was very different from the Canadian or even honestly American education system. So in London, it's a, you're, you just, you're, you're kind of on your own. Like you'll have an advisor for your thesis, but you have four meetings with them in the entire year. 15 minute meetings, not even like an hour meeting or like you get a full half day to talk through your shit. It's like you get four 15 minute sessions and then you're on your own writing a master's thesis. So, um, I, I already had worked through, I, you know, I remember going to like a workshop on procrastination that LSE had organized and expecting there to be all of these like work, you know, like these work habits and it being super focused on, on what to do. 
And I found that it was so focused on, 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 on how to be and how to see the issue of procrastination, not as a, um, not as a problem in terms of your work ethic, but as a problem, as, as an emotional problem. And, and, you know, why are you avoiding the work that you're doing? It's not that you're lazy, right? That's what you tell yourself when you're procrastinating, or that's what you tell yourself when you can't really execute a project. But truly, there are emotional reasons that you're, there are things that you're resisting emotionally to the work. And exploring those things actually will make you able to do that work much more effectively. Um, and, 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 and productively. I feel like that's something that comes up. Like I know that in therapy, for instance, that's something that I Mm. definitely address. Like you address all these root causes and it manifests itself as procrastination in your work. Oh yeah. 100%. And I, I've also, I think I've talked more about my work in therapy than anything else, which probably... (laughs) hopefully at one point changes, um, in terms of, you know, my priorities, but, but, but I think that it's also all connected. And, and to your point, um, a lot of the things that, that I worked out in there, I mean, therapy and my mental health became, uh, like a side, uh, not hustle, but like another project that, that I really was working on as I was working on the book, because I was discovering all of these, yeah, these, these habits or these, um, yeah, mental, I don't know, shortcuts I was taking or emotional shortcuts I was taking to avoid give, some. Can you give us an example? Yeah. So I, oh my God, so many, I mean, I am, I don't know about you, the voice that you have inside your head, but I realized that the voice inside my head was not necessarily a very nice one. And it was, I, I have like the disciplinarian, like, you know, army like captain like I just have like someone screaming at me all day and I've been working on you know changing that but but and not just because that's not very fun to have someone telling you that like you're you're lazy you you can't do anything you're not doing it right um but it's also very um it's 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 not conducive to any kind of really good work and so I had to um stop punishing myself (laughs) Which, which is like, and an, and an example is, if you're, if you, if you, you sit down and you can't write, like there are gonna be days, like I, I basically did try and write two hours a day, like I tried to get up basically two hours before I needed to be at work every day and just write for two hours. Um, that that's the like easy answer that 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 is like a very you know sort of uh work hack that that I recommend for for people who do want to write like. Do it in the morning if that's a good time for you. You might be a night owl and it means doing it two hours before you go to bed. For me, it was like two hours in the morning. I just got it out of the way when my brain is fresh. Um, but 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 more importantly, I, I, if I sit down and nothing's coming out or what's coming out is like me deleting things because I'm like in a bad mood and I'm in a sabotaging kind of headspace where where creativity is not flowing and, and I'm not, you know, producing what I want to be producing, I would make myself sit there for hours and, and I would cancel, uh, you know, let's say a yoga class or, or a social engagement. I, I would cancel, you know, things that I enjoyed in my life because I was like, you didn't get enough done. You know, the, 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 the evil voice inside my head was like, you don't deserve to go to that baby shower. You don't deserve to go to that yoga class because you didn't, you know, write 
this amount of pages. And, and I had to realize like, I'm already not going to have written. I might as well go see a movie, right? Like not only will I have not have written, but I will also have missed my friend's baby shower. Like, let's just have it like, let's lower the amount of bad things. Like I do have control over how many bad things can happen. And like the not writing is already going to happen. I might as well have a nice afternoon where, where I do something else. And, and, and then tomorrow I'll probably be more creative because I've given myself rest and like time, the, the rest, this is like what you learn when you also do, you know, I, I love working out and I love sports and like the rest days are as important as the work days, the, the, right. the workout days. Like if you're not, if you don't have a rest day, then your workout day the next day is just not going to be as good. And so to a certain point, it's like overextending yourself. We're obviously in this like culture of, of cult of, of busy and cult of like, I'm everywhere at every time and I'm doing everything. And, you know, that's just also not true. Like I, I had, I took some time off. Like there were times where I felt this pressure to show that I was producing and videos and I was still engaged in the news cycle or whatever. I'd force myself to agree to, you know, do TV appearances while I was writing the book just so that I was like in the mix or whatever. But, but ultimately like, it's okay to just like take some time and not be, you know, doing a million things at once that you'll probably be a lot, a lot, I mean, less good at all the things that you're trying to do if you're doing too much, too much. And, and I think, I think it's interesting, like the self-talk is something, yeah. one of the ways I, I actually frame it in my head, like sometimes I'll catch myself talking to myself and I say, if I talk to another person yeah. like that, mm-hmm. it would, I, I mean, I would not be able to have a relationship with them. It's, it's true. It's yeah. abuse, 100%. And then, you know, the thing that, that I've noticed even recently is that, like, when I'm really hard on myself, I am also really hard on other people. And it, it makes me not fun. Like, I don't like being around myself when I'm abusive to myself. But it also, yeah, it, it like, taints. It's just not a good mindset. It's just not a good mindset to 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 be to be putting out in the world and, 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 and yeah, mostly like you won't talk to anyone that way. Uh, and, but, but I think you're more likely to stick around toxic relationships or, or, or stick around people who aren't, you know, helping you fulfill your dreams and your potential because you're used to that voice, like, like changing how you talk to yourself will help you change your standards for other people too and and then create a better life for yourself as well and and so i think it's just all it, it starts from within right like you 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 know find the love that you think you deserve right so if you um are really mean to yourself all day you might not be seeking out the best relationships um in your life because you, yeah you're gonna find what you think you 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 deserve um and and that's really dangerous too right and, and so, I, I mean, that's one of the prescriptions that I, I think like overarching prescriptions that you have in your book is like men need to go and get to know themselves yeah. uh, in order to understand how to be. Other than therapy, are there other sort of high level techniques and tactics that you that you use or that you would recommend other people use? Um, yeah, to- I mean, therapy is such a, a, a privilege and to in in our society unfortunately right so it's really difficult to 
it's so it's so much money like it's just so much money <laughs> and I still like my therapist is still my Montreal therapist like I call her on the phone and have these like sessions with like with her and I can't even you know I have to pay the full amount because I can't even use you know the tiny bit of healthcare coverage that I have here in the United States towards that and so even you know I, I'm you know a very lucky educated middle class person and I even um, you know, kind of will feel the financial strain of it in some months, you know, lower or just, you know, not, not do it for a couple of months because I, yeah, financially, it's just like a lot of money. So, so therapy is amazing, but it's yeah, completely unaccept, uh, unaccessible. I think that books, I mean, for me, books have been almost just as powerful, um, as uh, therapy has been, um, there are very seminal books in my life that that have like totally that have literally changed my life. So one of them is um, the Untethered Soul. I don't know if you have, have you ever read it, Max. No, I haven't. Oh God, Jesus! It's so I've read this book so many times, and I've underlined so many things in it. I think every word is now underlined. Um, the new, I will the like a yes. like a couple of uh, yes yes. Yeah. The the untethered soul essentially is a, based on a very simple premise that you are not your thoughts. And you are, we hear this all the time, like you are not your thoughts. And it's almost like we say it so often, I don't even know if we really know what it means. But but uh the uh, author uh Michael Singer says you are not your thoughts. And 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 I think a lot of people are like, well then who am I? <laughs> Because like the thoughts is what has been narrating my life forever, and and so if I'm if I'm not the thoughts, who am I? And he says you're the person hearing the thoughts. You're the person who's watching them, and I think that that is the major key here of the distancing right between between our our psyches and and all of the you know crazy chaos that's in there and and ourselves, and and that's mainly what the entire book is about it basically calls those thoughts that we've been you know talking about uh, in our conversation as like your annoying roommate um and 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 he just talks about it in such a simple yet very yeah just just transcending way um in 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 the ways that even you know how you walk down the street and you'll be like oh there's that laundromat. I wonder if it's open later. I got to do my laundry. Oh, that's a, Oh, and then you see like a blue car and you're like, Oh, that was the car my ex-boyfriend used to drive. Oh man, that ex-boyfriend. He's uh, wonder what he's doing right now. Oh yeah. And you think about a terrible fight that you guys had and then how it made you feel. And then you are just like, there's just a person talking at all times. And, and some of it can be, you know, very trivial, like, you know, Oh, look, there's a big tree. Oh, the fall is coming. I can't believe it's the fall. And, and sometimes it's obviously negative and you, and you go into all these experiences that, experiences that are either in the past or either in the in the in the future but but even the like trivial parts to me like noticing those and just being like like shut up like I don't need to be talking about everything I see all the time I can just be here and 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 that voice I actually can choose to listen to or not listen to and and I think that 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 is just again a fundamental very simple truth that's very very that, that, that I've just, uh, you know, I find myself coming back to a lot. Um, there's, there's so many books um, that I love. I, I love, like, if anyone wants to start with that world of just being a little bit more 
uh, aligned spiritually. Um, yeah. Oprah's Super Soul Sunday podcast. That's where I've discovered most of the books that have changed my life. Um, she um, talks about uh, Gary Zukov, who's an author. You can start, you can read everything he's ever done, but in The Seed of the Soul, which is, I believe, Oprah's favorite book. I think it's even, I think The Untethered Soul is the book that she's given the most away to people. And The Untethered Soul, uh, and sorry, the, the the Seed of the Soul is the book that 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 is that is her favorite. And The Seed of the Soul, the very simple premise, again, of it, and you can read it and get so much more out of it, but the, the basic premise is that when you feel good in your life, like, you know, when you feel good and you know, when you don't, you're like, Ugh, this is not good. You wake up and you don't feel good. You go to bed and you don't feel good. There's just something like in your body that you're feeling. That's just not good. His theory is when you feel good, it's because your soul is aligned with your personality. So it means your soul is basically, and this, you know, again, for some people, it might feel like this is so woo woo. It's actually not your soul is just your purpose. Like your soul is like what you, Max Finder, are here on this earth to do because only you can do it the way that you do it. That, and I, I don't know if you, if you know what that is yet. I, I you know, th- this podcast is probably a, a, and definitely a big part of your contribution to the earth and and this conversation and the way that you're having it with me is different from any other conversation that 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 I've had and every conversation that I will have. And so that's your purpose. That's your soul. And when you align your personality with your soul, which is what you're doing with this podcast, right? You're using your skills, the skills of your personality to align with your core purpose in life. You're fulfilling your soul's purpose. And that feels so good, right? It's like alignment, right? There's something about when you feel good, it's because you feel aligned. And when you feel off, it's because, again, um, you are going into ego or, right? or, or you're using your personality to, to align with something that, that is not in line with your, with your ultimate p- purpose on, on this earth right? You're, you're just winging it or you're just, you know, doing it for the money. Uh, you're just doing it because that's what your parents want you to do. Um, that's because, you know, what your partner wants you to do or society wants you to do or your friends want you to do or what you think will make you more popular or, or, or will make you liked uh, and, and, and respect and get the validation that you crave, right? Those, that's when you are off your path. And, and that book has helped me really reflect on I've actually made that I encourage people to make this I'm at one point I felt very out of flow and I made this fulfillment map and it was basically a map of of and I was like a little high I'll admit um when I did this but I think it helped me I just really needed to connect with with my inner child which a third book I would recommend to do that is the artist way it's the best book. If you are like creatively confused, read, just go buy this book. It's every person, every creative person, every successful creative person in this world has read this book and still uses the practices that are recommended in this book. It's it, incredible. Map is one of those and fulfillment practices. map is one of those things. Well, basically, I, I don't know if, I, I don't think they recommend to do it exactly that. They're very focused on reconnecting with like, Max, what was your favorite game as a child? Like, what was your favorite thing to do? 
Do you remember? I mean, I was, I'm, I'm into chess, but way back when I was a huge Monopoly head. Oh my God. <laughs> I love that. Well, th both of those are strategy, right? They're very axed on, which is what you do, what you help people. I mean, with this podcast, that's what you're trying to, you, you're trying to help people, you know, create the best strategies so that they can fulfill their, their potential. Um, so, so strategy was really fun for you. Right. And, 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 and you could play with that, you know, I'm sure you could play chess or monopoly for hours and hours and hours and hours. And, and so one of the things that the artist way will, will, will have you do is, is, is reflect back on, on those experiences and what you loved so much about that and how much of that that you're tapping into in your adult life. And, and the fulfillment map kind of came as an idea. I, I just was like, when was the first time that I felt fulfilled? Like when right. was the first time that I was like, wow, this is incredible. And I actually think for me, one of those first experiences was actually at McGill when I did, uh, I, I got to perform in the vagina monologues. And I remember just being like, I can't believe I, I get to do this. Like I get to, cause I love performing. I was always on, you know, playing with my dad's camcorder with my sister. We were always goofing around and like creating characters or whatever. And that I could have done that forever, every day, all day. And I, and I obviously am very passionate about social justice and particularly uh, feminism and women's rights. And so when I got to do both, like when I was like, wait, I can do this thing I love, like perform and play around and use it to, you know, bring attention to this thing that I care so much about. Like, that's wild. Like, I can't believe I got to do that. And in the end, I, I am so grateful that that basically has been my job for the last few years. Like I get to, you know, do online video and, and, and creative work about women's rights. And, and so that's the fulfillment map for me. Um, and are you, is that something that you realized in hindsight or did you know it at the time, like you stepped off the stage from the vagina monologues and were like, this is my calling? Or is it something I, that now you're sitting here, a ton of work with Vox on this subject yeah. and saying, you know what, that was when I got. Yeah, started. I knew, I definitely knew when I was doing it that, that it, that, 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 that it like my heart and my soul like fluttered like that there was just something so and it wasn't easy it was one of the hardest I mean learning those monologues like oh my god I remember like I would go to the McGill gym and just like I, I had to work out while I was trying to learn these lines because it brought it was very anxiety producing it was, it was very scary um and, and and so it wasn't easy but but it was so it, it felt it's, I, I felt so elated when, when I got to do it. And, and, and obviously once it was done, you know, you can feel the accomplishment much better. I, I think you're more connected with the accomplishments once, once something is done. Um, but I was like in a state of flow dur during, you know, during the entire time. Like, I just, I, I think we know when we're in it, like we just feel great. Like we just feel again, that alignment that, that I feel is, you know, you, you want to feel that way every day. Like it becomes so addictive once you, once you feel it. And so I think it's that, again, that state of alignment, uh, which I probably wouldn't have been able to describe that way at, at that time. Um, but I felt completely, completely like, I thought this would never, ever happen again. I was like, when, like, I didn't think that would be a career path <laughs> in any kind of way to like get to perform and, you know, uh, mean, perform and 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 marry that with the a passion for human rights 
And, um, and, and so I, I, allow, I just enjoyed it so much. And, and I thought I did have a moment, I think, where I was like, oh, it'd be so cool if I could like do this for my whole life. <laughs> and then I was like, no, like you can't, this is a, this is just, you know, th- there's no way. Um, and, and I never, I think part of my, you know, I, I know some people operate differently, but I never, re- I never had like a clear path for myself. And I still don't, by the way. Um, I, I just wake up every day and I'm like, what am I doing today? Um, and, and I do think about one goal. Like I think about, you know, there's like a mountain and obviously like, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't even know what the mountaintop is like being Gloria Steinem or something like, uh, you know, I don't even really imagine that to be the mountaintop for me, but, but like I have all my heroes there and, and, but I think about like what the next step is. I think that's like a really important part of, of why people procrastinate by the way, uh, is that they think if I'm not at the top, if I'm not exactly where I want to be right now, then I might as well not even try. Or it must mean that I'm, this is not meant to be, or that there, that there's something wrong with me or there's something wrong with, with my goals and I should just change them. And, and I think that that's, that that's where we get into trouble, especially in this, in the world that we live in, where we expect instant, you know, gratification, right? Like we, and and that's why writing the book was also hard because it's four years, right? Like during four years, I never had any kind of feedback. I never had any kind of like, um, gratification from it. And, and in a way that it felt wrong, it felt wrong that I didn't have something to show every day that I, that I would get likes for, or, uh, views, you know, have a number associated with it in the way that we do now in the world that we live in. And so I think it's, it's important for us to view, like to really, um, actually value patience and maybe patience isn't the word, because I'm very impatient. Um, but I, I, I do think it's important to value the process instead of the outcome. And, 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 and yeah, that's basically what I, what I hope I I've been able to do with, with my career, which is, you know, oh, I, I love, I feel so aligned when I'm able to, to, to be creatively fulfilled, uh, about it, about, about something I'm really passionate about, but I always, uh, valued the, I always stayed focused on the human rights side. Like I, I, I didn't want to just perform to perform, you know, I didn't want to just be on TV to be on TV. And, and when I have that inclination, that's when I know something's wrong. That's when I know I'm an ego. That's when I know I'm in, like, I'm trying to get validation. I'm trying to get love. I'm trying to fill the void. And that's not how that's, that's, it'll never get filled. Um, when, 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 when that's how you're doing it. So when, when you realize that you're in ego, um, or doing something for the wrong reasons, do you have a strategy for, uh, like getting out of that in any way? Yeah, I I haven't figured I wish I had a strategy. I wish, do you have one? Cause I wish I, I did actually. I think I mean, that I'm at the stage where I'm like recognizing it. Yes. And that's pretty important and, and, and kind of like, you know, hard to get to cause mm. a lot of people go around and have no idea even what that is or yeah. they're speaking to them. But, but definitely uh, I'm in the first step, which is at least just assigning sort of, the the name like oh that's my ego talking yeah 
Yeah, and I think part of it, the the easiest way to get to that, and first of all, awareness is everything. I, I really truly think, like we think that that like meditation, for example, if I meditate, I'll feel great. It's like no, you gotta do it every day. It's like we're, like you don't work out once and then your body looks amazing. You work out every day or you, you work, you have a, you know, you, it's a practice you do once a week, twice a week, however, you know, your you do it and, and feels good for you. Um, you don't eat well, you don't eat a salad and then everything is, you're super healthy. It's a thing you got to do all the time. And, and so it being a practice rather than again, like focusing on, on, on a, on an outcome, I, I think is really important. And to come back to your, to your question about, you know, how to, how to keep your ego in check. I think it's easier to keep it in check. So part, part of keeping your ego in check is not listening, you know, basically whether it's positive or negative, what other people think about you cannot determine the course of your life or cannot determine your decisions right so so i think it's harder i think it's easier to do when it's praise i think it's easier to that's the practice that i do when i feel when people again whether it's in the form of like a million views or a certain amount of followers or a certain amount of uh right you know whether there's a number associated with it or it's you know someone i really respect uh, you know, saying something about me or, you know, whether it's in person or, or sharing something that I've, that I've created or buying my book, right. Whatever it is. I'm, I try in those moments, in those moments, it's very attractive to just indulge in it. And it's very easy to just indulge in it and, 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 and use that as a reason to feel good about yourself and to actually modify the way that you feel about yourself at the time. And I'm not saying, you know, don't, don't take joy in all of these in in your accomplishments but i think that it's important to again have a distance with with praise and 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 then and then with you in the same way that it's important to also have a distance between criticism and you and and to not let it change the way that you um that you view yourself not let it change the way that you cuz then if if you need praise to view yourself positively, when you get criticism, you're going to view yourself negatively. Like it's and and it's worse, right? Our brains respond to criticism and re- remember negative experiences. They're far more than than the positive ones. So if a hundred people have told you, Max Finder, that you are so amazing and so smart and so incredible and that they love your podcast and they love what you've done with your life. And, and that one person <laughs> tells you, I, I, I fucking hate this podcast. What, what, what do you think you're doing? Um, your, your questions are dumb, uh, or you're, you know, really going up, up over yourself with this. Like you need to do something else with your life. That criticism will just purely because of our brain chemical and neuroscience, you will give more attention to that negative uh, criticism than, than, than you will to a hundred positive criticisms. And, and, and being able, so being able to practice distance from positive criticism, um, healthy distance, I think makes it easier for you to also 
have that distance when it comes to, yeah, the more difficult moments uh, in, in your life where, where people, yeah, will tell you you suck or, you know, comment, whatever, um, to, to not, you know, Will Smith had this like amazing little video he made. And I, I'm not sure he invented this quote, but he shared it where he was like, changing who you are based on what other people think is like looking at yourself through a broken mirror and making changes based on that broken mirror. And I just think that sums it up really well. Like, don't change who you are based on what other other people think ever, ever, um, whether it's positive or, or, or negative. It, it's information, right? Like that person who hates your podcast. Okay, thank you for your your opinion. That's their opinion. That's just what they think. Um, it, it can't, you know, it can't be. And and that was a big practice for me for the book where, and I read it in my acknowledgments where I thank my therapist for telling me you know, to write this book that, that, uh, to, to write this book for myself and that it's okay if you don't like it. <laughs> um, I think that's, that's super important, but yeah, I think it's like the, a really major key is to distance yourself. It's easier to distance yourself from praise, um, than it is to distance yourself from criticism, but both of them are actually not supposed to change the way or dictate the way that you feel about yourself. Right. So if someone says something, if, you know, your hero tweets, your, you know, says your book is great. Right. Uh, if Gloria Steinem literally tweets in a few minutes, I love Liz Plank's book. It's changed my life. I'll feel amazing. Right. I'll be like, Oh my God, Gloria Steinem loves my book. Um, and obviously I'm not saying we shouldn't take pleasure in, in, in accomplishments or in celebration or in, or in positive feedback, but I shouldn't change the way that I feel about myself because Gloria Steinem feels a certain way about, about myself, right. About me. Um, and and it's so keeping a healthy distance, I, I think, between between you and, and praise is is just as important as keeping a healthy distance between you and, and criticism, because both of those things is you acting out of ego, actually. Um, but, you know, what other people think should not determine how you feel about yourself. And, and the best way that it was um, represented for me is like this recent like Will Smith video where he said, um, and I'm I'm not, I'm not sure he invented this, but but he explained it really well. He basically was like changing who you are based on what other people think about you is like changing is like looking into a broken mirror, and then making changes based on that reflection, that broken reflection of that broken mirror. So it, you you should never yeah change who you are based on what other people believe, um, because that is usually a route to, uh, yeah, unhappiness and, and, and again, misalignment with, with who you, who you truly are and, and why you're really here. Yeah. I, I think it's also a question of like self-confidence, right? Like yeah. you need to, you need to be confident in, in what you're doing in the world, even if you're getting met with a ton of rejection and a ton of. Yes. Criticism. Oh my God. Yes. So many no's. so many, you know, the first publisher I went to for my book, they were like, you're so cute. Like, oh you think men are going to read this. <laughs> like you think men like care about gender. Uh, like, and they literally said like, they encouraged me to write a totally different book. And, and in that moment I was like, wow, 
I'm so dumb. Like I can't, I can't believe I, I, I feel so stupid. I come in here, you know, I've never written a book. I don't know this world. And they probably think I'm, I'm, you know, what am I doing? This is so embarrassing. And thankfully I had an agent who was like, that's not your book. <laughs> like writing the next gen, like women are from Venus and men are from Mars, which is what they wanted me to write. She was like, that's not you. That sounds like a great book. That's not your book. And I was like, she's right. Um, so I think having those people around us in those moments to re there, you know, to have people to act as mirrors for us, for facts and for reality, uh, when we can't do it for ourselves, when, when we, again, take other people's opinions to base our own reality. Um, I think that's when there are probably like two or three people in your life you can really depend on to be really good when you need that. Um, but, but it's important to reach out and, and that's something I've learned, you know, asking for help is instead of just spiraling out of control and I don't know, go, scrolling for hours on Instagram, trying to find self-love, like just call someone when you're, when you feel like you've done nothing good in your life and nothing you do is good. Like that's not true. Um, why don't you just call, have a five minute conversation with someone who can, who can, you know, reflect reality back to you. And can we, I want to switch gears just because we're running out of time here. I I would love to talk about relationships a little bit. Like you, you personally, I mean, um, I mean, you, 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 you went on the chivalry diet and and you recently sort of had some, um, new awareness in, in your dating. I mean, can you speak to what's what's going on with you in that? In that yeah. Direction? So, so I went on a on a chivalry diet for the book because I realized that I was blaming men for <laughs> putting a lot of importance onto uh, these you know, dating rituals, these very gendered, gender dating rituals of like, uh, you know, the man has to pay. And when you're on a date between a man and a woman, obviously in heterosexual relationships. Um, and, and, and I just was like, I can't, if I still expect men to pay, then like, I can't be mad at them (laughs) for, for ascribing to these old, outdated gender norms. So I have to stop doing that. And actually my relationships got so much better. And I, cause I thought I, uh, damn, like now I have to pay for my own French fries. Like this is going to suck. But what I found was that when I let, let, when I gave into gender roles, most of the time, it meant letting go of control in the relationship or, or giving up control in, in the relationship. If one person's always paying one person, you know, it, it, it 100% sets a dynamic in that relationship where, where I, you know, I, and this might not be the experience for, for anyone else, but for me, it was, wow. Like, I don't say what I need as much. I don't say what I want as much because I kind of feel like I owe him something. (laughs) Like I kind of feel like, well, he, is, you know, did all these nice things for me. So I can't really demand all these other things. Like I, and, and that was completely unconscious, completely unconscious. Uh, and I'm, you know, in my thirties, have a master's in gender and social policy. And I, and I still, yeah, let gender norms really dictate my relationships and, and infuse my relationships with like rules that, that were totally made up and, and not helpful or healthy. And, and then I, yeah, through the book too, I, I like came out, um, as you know, queer. And, and so I'm basically, I've always known, but I wasn't really open about it to 
my family or, or anything um, about about just the fact that like I've always kind of been into everyone. Like I don't, you know, I I've mostly had relationships with men, but but I yeah I've I've always known that like it doesn't stop there for me. <laughs> and, um, and so I, yeah, I, I kind of felt this responsibility once I figured that out to, or not once I figured it out, I, I'd known it, but I felt really guilty about the fact that I wasn't open about it, given the, you know, a privilege that I have to uh, have a platform that reaches a lot of people. And that, maybe I could be, you know, helping one person feel better and, and overcome some of the things that, you know, avoid a lot of the shame that I felt, um, then it would be, it would be worth it for me to, to come out very publicly. And so I decided to, to do it. <laughs> what changed for you? I mean, what, what, what kind of gave you that impetus? Like, I mean, it must've been scary. It's, it's, it's yeah. a lot. Of, I feel like people come out kind of in their twenties sort of when they, yeah. when they start, like, it's, it's somewhat late. No? Yes. Super late, super late. And, and I think that was part of it too, of giving permission to people to, yeah, like be, be who they yeah. are wh whenever it comes to them, you know, and that there's, yeah, there's nothing wrong with coming out when you're literally like seven years old. There's nothing wrong with coming out when you're 21 and you're just, you know, starting to really, uh, you know, be, become a sexual being uh, and there's nothing wrong with it, it happening in your thirties. Um, and, and it did feel like I felt a bit embarrassed by that. But then I was, I, again, I was like, what example am I setting? Like, I don't want anyone else to feel this way. Like I want, it, it's like, comes back to what you were saying about like, how do you talk to yourself is never a way that you would talk to someone else. And I was like, I don't want anyone else to to say that to themselves. I don't want anyone else to feel shame about this. I don't want anyone else to limit who they who they are in the world based on on shame that that was never theirs to begin with. And um so yeah, the impetus was really that I had not come out to my family and I'm super close to my family. And it just felt like with my some of my really close friends, like it was kind of this like open like, no, we didn't really talk about it, but they kind of knew. But, but again, like I wasn't being, I wasn't being proud. Like I, there was no, I was being, um, I was acting out of shame uh, about it. And it, it kind of ha forced me to stop doing that. And, and it, I felt completely naked the next day. Like the next day was really bad. <laughs> the next day I was like, what have I done? <laughs> like I got to box and like people were just coming up to me and like putting their hand on my shoulder and like, Hey Liz. And I was like, Oh my God, this is so what, what have I done? This is the stupidest thing I've ever done. But then I, yeah, very quickly, first of all, like everyone was so supportive and lovely and my family was super lovely and supportive. Um, but then also yeah, the messages also poured in on of people who, yeah, I don't know. I had these two people who were like, we went out and got like pie and like to celebrate you coming out. Like it was just like, you know, people who are queer and who, who felt part of, yeah, just they felt like celebrated. Yeah. Understood. And like, you know, what welcome. And, and like, Again, I, I think the best way to encourage others to be who themselves is is to just be yourself. And 
and to, to, to dare, right, greatly, which is like Brene Brown language, which I also <clears throat> really recommend uh, reading. You know, you could watch her Netflix special or, or read some of her books. She's just incredible um, about, about what that, you know, that the vulnerability is the only way to measure courage. And, and so I, that's what, that's what I was trying to, <clears throat> to, to model, you know, even, even if I, it, it was hard. <laughs> um, well, I, I want to be respectful of your time. I, I know that we're running up against the clock here. Is there anything that you, like you can say that you're sort of your intentions for the next decade for your third, oh. I mean, things that you're, you're, you want out of it, things that you're focusing on, things you need to work on. I mean, yeah. Oh, Max Feiner, such a good question. I actually was thinking about that this morning. I was like, I really have to make a vision board for for the next decade. Like it's it, this is a big deal. We're we're coming into a whole new. This is can you can you hear me? It says last connection. Yeah. Oh, okay, good. Um, yeah, this is a whole new whole new decade, and and this is more than just about like posting like a ten years ago photo on Instagram and then you know what you look like today. Um, I'm, I'm, there's so many things. One thing that I'm really trying to be connected to is, um, boundaries. I know this sounds weird, but no, I, yeah. Actually for our relationships and yes, like, like everything. The of times I'm talking about boundaries is hilarious. Yeah. yeah. Same. That's all I, I basically heard this again, Brene Brown talked about who she studies shame and empathy. She looked at the most empathetic people in our society, monks, like people who like mother Teresa's of the world. And she was looking for what's the common thing that they have in common? What, or what, you know, what, what do they all share? She thought it would be like a specific religion, a specific practice. Do they all meditate? Do they all, none of that. Do you know what it is? They all have rock hard boundaries. They all have, isn't that so fascinating? And I, I think I think I've thought about that every day since I, since I heard her say that because it makes so much sense. When I have boundaries and establish my boundaries, I am the best version of myself in my life. When I am pissed off, when I'm impatient, when I'm be, not being kind to, uh, to, to strangers or even to the people in my life is because I have let someone or more than one person overstep my boundaries and I'm resentful or I'm angry or I'm stressed out because I've said yes to too many things that I didn't want to do or I've said yes to too many people that I didn't want to say yes to or I've accepted behaviors that I don't that are not acceptable to me and that's when I am not aligned with 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 my happiness and and with who I am. And so boundaries feel if you have a problem with boundaries, please address it. Like I just, you know, and 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 don't feel bad about it. And 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 the number one thing that I've learned this year is like because I thought that setting boundaries made me a bad person. <laughs> You know, like, it's like I say, I can't, this person's going to be so disappointed. I can't make it to this thing or this person's going to think I'm, and it's like, no, no, no. There's a difference between someone being disappointed <laughs> and you being a bad person. And if you can't differentiate those things, if you don't learn how to disappoint people well, um, you are 
going to run, you're going to lead your life in, in, it's going to affect your entire life. That's what I've found. Um, and so setting good boundaries and learning how to do that and practicing that is something I'm, I'm very, I'm bringing into 2020 (laughs) and I'm really want to bring playfulness to like perfect, not perfect, but be playful is kind of a alliteration I've been playing with. Um, that when I feel this desire to be perfect, which I deal, you know, as a perfectionist and many people are, um, is, is something that I, it, it just is, it's like a poison. Perfectionism is poison. And, and it's, um, it's like insecurity dressed up in like a pretty skirt. Like it's insecurity with like cute lipstick. Like perfectionism makes you feel like, well, I'm just working really hard or I'm just, you know, trying to be my best self. And I'm just, you know, all these like positive things, but it's really just insecurity. Like it's, it's wanting things to be different from the way that they are. And it's wanting you to be different from the way that you are. And when I'm operating from that place, I, I, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm not aligned. And when I'm operating from a place of, of play, like for play's sake, um, when I'm operating from a place of, yeah, connecting with my, with my inner child and what she likes to do and what she likes to play with, um, and what she loved to do, I think that that's when I'm, yeah, the best version of myself. So, and my, my life is so much more fun. Um, and I think the things that we make and create are, are, are going to be the things that the universe put us here to, to make and create, you know? Um, so those two things are the big ones, I think. <clears throat> what about you? I want to know what yours are. Oh, you'll, you'll have to interview me on <laughs> one of your things. No, I, 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 I um, my intent, I don't know. I mean, it's, it, maybe that's part of my, well, the reason that I'm doing this is to try and, um, collect some of the, the ideas from, from people out in the world and, and see if any of them resonate with me. Boundaries mm-hmm. is definitely something that I'm seeing a lot of. And also playfulness. I mean, uh, for sure, like uh, it, it connects back to wanting to be fulfilled and connected with your, your soul's purpose and doing things for the sake of, of doing it. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's, that, that's how you achieve presence. I think that that's definitely a major mission of mine is just achieving presence. Yeah. Uh, and so the things that contribute to getting present, because that's, that's all we have, right, is the present moment. I mean, that is your entire life is this exact moment that we're in. Totally. Right um, and so being playful, um, setting boundaries, these are, these are sort of things that I think help us get to that state of presence. So yeah, definitely a lot more that I'm exploring also. Good. Um, yeah, I, I want to be, you know, I want to be respectful of your time. I yeah. really appreciate you joining, Liz. Thank you. Uh, you're on Twitter and Instagram as Feministabulous. There you go. You got it. <laughs> it's hard to say. <laughs> um, you have a new book out. I do. Uh, men. Uh, and thank you for joining us on Living 30. You can visit Oh my God, Living thank 30. you. Thank you. I'm I, such an honor to talk to you again. Um, and I'm really happy that our path, uh, paths crossed when we were younger and that they're crossing again. And I'm really excited about all the things that you're doing and the, yeah, the, the, the curiosity that you're bringing to, um, 
to this decade. Um, and, uh, and I appreciate, yeah, your, your, your questions and your willingness to, yeah, be interested in, in not just the, you know, what I make, but who I am. So I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you for joining Liz. It, it's a pivotal decade and, and we definitely value your, you know, your, your two cents about it. Sure. <laughs> Thanks. Um, visit living30.blog for more. Uh, thank you everybody for tuning in. Uh, that's all for now. Thanks again, everybody, for listening. Make sure to get in touch at living30.blog. Let's make this an unbelievable decade. Until next time, I'm Max Finder, and this is Living 30.